Well, hey everybody, and welcome to Romans Road Week 5 here on Spirituality and Tech. I'm Matthew Patton, and this week we're covering Romans 8, 30 to 34. Papa, thank you that you and all of heaven are pulling for those of us whom you knew would choose to become one with you once again. Thank you that you do not accuse us. Thank you that you have chosen to cover our sins with the blood of Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you shed your blood for us. Thank you that you constantly intercede on our behalf along with the Holy Spirit. Help us to learn to ask for the help we need and to recognize when it comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 8, verses 30 to 34. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness he co-glorified with his son. So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. So who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and now is risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us, since he is continually praying for our triumph? So what does all that mean? Well, last week I chose to not get into the nitty-gritty with the whole Calvin versus Arminius thing. I kind of can't avoid it this time. Um, The bottom line here, as I see it, is that we are righteous because God called us righteous in Jesus. And he is in the process of producing righteousness in us now. So... God and all of heaven is for us. There is no one who currently belongs in heaven to accuse us of being unworthy or sinful. The enemy exists. Don't miss that point. But he is no match for Jesus, as we saw on the cross and in the empty tomb. 
God is so far in our corner that he gave us Jesus. Let that sink in. God's own son came and gave himself for us. Okay, so let me, let me unpack what I just said and tie it back in with the word, yeah? So, back to verse 30. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. Okay, so, last week we talked about how God know, knew who would accept his call and who wouldn't. This is merely an extension of that knowledge. It's not so much that he chooses to control our choices, but he knows the end result from the beginning. And the difference between the two is something, it's a hair's breadth sometimes. So because he knew that we would choose him, he called us to himself and gave us his perfect righteousness. So through Jesus, we were given this. We were given this truth, this new reality that we are righteous because God calls us righteous. We have no reason to be ashamed. There's no call for it. Shame has no place in the life of a child of God, particularly not a mature child of God. That is hard because we've, many of us have been brought up in shame-based family systems, in shame-based societies. It may be more, it may be less pronounced in the West these days than it was in years gone by, or how it still is in Eastern cultures, whether Middle Eastern or Asian. There's or African for that matter. There's a deep honor-shame thing in many of these cultures that's actually very similar to how it was 2,000 years ago in the Mediterranean basin. For whatever reason, we've moved beyond it, or we think we have here in the West. I'm not sure that that's a good thing, but I'm also not espousing shame being a good thing. Anyhow, so if you are in Christ, you are righteous. You have nothing to be ashamed of. God has called you righteous, and he is in the process of making you righteous. 
And that process is what Paul's talking about with this co-glorification idea, this becoming like Christ. So then, if God is for us, who can be against us? Can the enemy? No. He can try. He can try to slime us. And he does on a regular basis. But that's not the point, you guys. The point is that God, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, not to mention the angels and the cloud of witnesses. They're all pulling for us. They all want to see us succeed. They all want to see us become what we're called to be. And I'm not just talking about fulfilling a purpose here on earth. That's a part of it. But that's not the whole as I've said so many times in the past. The, the entire point of us being here is A, to learn who we are in Jesus, and B, to grow into being more and more like Jesus through submission, through humility, through obedience to the wind of the spirit and that that's a tricky thing it's not easy and sometimes well often you wind up looking crazy to those around you anyhow so if God is for us, if all of heaven is pulling for us, if God has said that we are righteous, perfectly righteous in Jesus, then how can we be accused? How can shame have a place? How can fear have a place if we are perfectly righteous? It can't. There's no way. And because he's so for us, he sent Jesus on our behalf to give himself for us. Let that sink in. You are worthy of his love. Because he said you are. Because Jesus came to buy you back. And to show you how, and me for that matter, how to be as we were intended to be. Now, don't hear me say that the enemy is nothing. The enemy is still there. 
the enemy still wants to mess with us, still wants to be a thorn, for lack of a better way to put it. So he stands in the heavenly courtroom and accuses us. That's his role. That's what Hasatan means, the accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. But thanks to Jesus, who, by the way, is our advocate in the heavenly courtroom, and his blood, which covers all of those sins, those accusations have no place. They carry no weight. As long as, as long as we repent. If we don't repent, then it's not under the blood. We need to repent. So if God didn't hold Jesus back in order to bring us back into alignment with his original design for us, then how could we think that he might hold anything else back from us that we need? That's, come on you guys, that's, that's futile thinking. That's empty thinking. That's straight from the pit of hell. Don't listen. Don't ever listen to the enemy actually. And unless there's a very special circumstance, don't talk to him. Refer him to Jesus. Why does he seek to waylay us? Well, it's the job that fell to him. And since he hates God, and according to the word of God, we bear the image of God. And he can't do anything directly to God. The enemy does his best to hurt God the only way he can, by preventing his children and image bearers from reuniting with him. That's the enemy's role. That's his whole raison d'entre. Pardon my terrible French. I never studied it. Anyway, that's his whole reason for being, is to accuse us, is to remind us that we screwed up. In hopes that we would partner with the shame that he wants to bring into our lives. Such that we would finally agree with that and disqualify ourselves from heaven when we die. So, if the only way that the enemy can get to God is by hurting us and preventing us from figuring out that we could and should be one with God, 
I mean, tell me that isn't wild, you guys. Does the father leave us without help? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Or as Paul would say in Greek, megenita, or hell no. Hell to the no, no, no. Hell no. Anyway, the truth is that we have all of heaven on our side and in our corner. We simply need to learn how to ask for help, then recognize and receive it when it comes. And it always does. It always comes. The Lord is always faithful. And you know, since Jesus gave himself for us and continually intercedes or advocates for us, that was the word I chose to use, then how could he possibly condemn us? can't. He's not, he doesn't have dis, dis, dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities. He loves us. He sacrificed himself for us. So no, he can't. He won't. that would mean that his work was not sufficient. Which, if you believe in him, you believe that it was. Otherwise, what's the point, right? So, I want to leave you with that. I want to leave you with the reality that A, you are perfectly righteous because God said you are because of what Jesus did for you. And you're also on a journey of actualizing that righteousness, for lack of a better way to put it, of learning that we are designed to be one with God. It's really that simple. It's, it shouldn't be mind-blowing, but because of how most of us were taught in the church, we think it is. We, we seem to have this complex that we're just poor, miserable sinners. Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, yes and no. If you're identifying with your sin rather than with your Savior, that's a problem. Now, that's not saying that the sin doesn't exist, that the struggles that we face don't exist. Because they do. But that's the process of theosis. That's the process of Christification. That's the 
process of becoming co-glorified with Jesus. And since Jesus gave himself for us, and, he's, and he doesn't have dissociative identity disorder, multiple personalities, whatever you want to call it, and since he gave himself on, for us because the Father sent him to do so, that says that he and the Father, who... If you remember, he said that he and the Father are one, right? So, if he and the Father are one, and the Father sent him to give himself for us, and then he did, then, therefore, neither of them condemn us. The Father is the judge, and the judge chooses to not see those horrible things that we've done. Right? He chooses to ignore it because of the blood, because of what Jesus did for us. And so that we can begin to identify with Jesus more than we identify with our sin. Now, the accuser still exists. The devil's still there. Satan's still around. And his job is to waylay us, to, um, to accuse us. But we have Jesus as our defense attorney saying, no, Father, I covered that. Just as long as when the devil brings something up, we repent. That's the bottom line. And then we move forward from it into greater and greater identification with Jesus. Until we're just one with him. So thanks for watching, everybody. Please like the video if you're watching on the Rumble channel. Share it. Comment down below. Subscribe. Tell other people about the podcast, about the channel. I really hope you're blessed. And if you're just listening to the podcast, don't feel weird about reaching out to media at techfreedom.pro to ask a question. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much. And I'll see you guys around.